Radio Free Cybertron. Transformers. Rewind. This week on Transformers Rewind, it's Roll For It. Starscream, still in command of the Decepticons after Megatron's disappearance, leads Thundercracker and Soundwave in attacking a hydroelectric power generator. What was that? The Autobots respond quickly. friendly neighborhood Decepticon records. Can the chat and start kicking pig iron? Battle is short, and with little to show for their efforts, the Decepticons retreat. Optimus Prime sends Prowl and Blue Streak to follow. Starscream, Thundercracker, you two look like Optimus Prime. Meanwhile, on Cybertron, Megatron resumes contact with Earth. Despite his absence, Megatron commands that their scheduled attack on an antimatter laboratory continue as planned. The battle-damaged Decepticons set out to find repair parts in the interim. Inside the antimatter lab, Chip Chase and Spike are greeted by Dr. Alcazar. It would be a mystery to us as well. I thought you were just another pretty face. Chip, I asked to come by for this. This diskette will let your home computer talk with all Pepsi Brainiac here anytime, day or night. Can't wait to test it out. Let's cook a few crankcases. You don't have Prime and Brawn to bail you out this time. Decepticons are coming to steal the antimatter formula? The antimatter formula, flesh creature! I want it! You're too late! I erased it! He lies! He uploaded the formula to someone. I don't know who, but I soon will. Let this human go. We seek another. Oh, wow! Dr. Alcazar sent me the antimatter formula! In the aircraft factory, Prowl is injured by Soundwave's blast, and his battle computer goes offline. I'm helpless! Desperate, Prowl scans for another online computer to interface with. The signals find Chip Chase. Computer. Prowl? This is Chip Chase! Don't worry! I'm assuming control now! Well, you sure had me execute a fantastic move, Chip. Oh no, Decepticons. Chip memorizes the antimatter formula and destroys all evidence. There's no way the Decepticons can learn to make the antimatter. Inside, Soundwave uses his scanning abilities to extract the formula from Chip's brain. Inside your primitive brain! Megatron orders Chip disposed of and begins creating antimatter with the equipment in the lab. Just as Thundercracker moves in to terminate Chip, a group of Autobots attack. Optimus Prime drives through the lab walls and unleashes his Autobot warriors. But too late. Injured Autobots limp back to their headquarters, where Ratchet and Spark Plug immediately go to work. Chip laments his inability to keep the antimatter formula from falling into Megatron's hands, but Wilchak tries to console him. He's got a plan for the formula and could use Chip and Spike's help.
flavor of Optimus Prime! Okay, Prime, let's hit it! Not if Wheel Jack's invention works, you won't. What's going on? Megatron orders a retreat, and in the exit, Sykes Chip as the reason for the Decepticon defeat. I am? I did? Really? You sure did. You may not be an Autobot, but when you rolled for Broke back there, you sure could have fooled me. Roll for it is an episode that I've seen dozens of times. I can't. It's it's one it's, when I think of Generation One specifically season one and season two, a roll for it is always the episode I go to. It you know watching it. It's been a while since I've actually sat down and watched it though, and it's you know it's way more inventive and creative than a lot of later episodes. It's they like to do lots of different things. It's really well plotted in my mind and paced. Except, except for the whole, um, you know, genius kid trope, which we see later on throughout Transformers. <laughs> but, Why is it that he gets no introduction? I know. It's like, this it's is so weird. He spikes it's money. Like, presumably, it's called rule for it because Chip is in a wheelchair. <laughs> no. Okay? Because, like, the final line of the thing is, Mumbles, oh, you rolled like an Autobot. I'm like, okay, you know, that, that's fine. I get that. But... <laughs> I think it's, it's actually to the episode's credit that although this is, I mean, the whole episode is essentially written around Chip. It is yes. Chip's introduction episode, but they never at any point go, this is my friend Chip Optimus. He's here to do science. They never <laughs> actually bring him in like that. But it's to the episode's credit that he just happens to be in a wheelchair. Yes. It's yeah. not like yeah. here is the science boy and the Autobots go, oh, what is wrong? Are your lower mechanical digits immobilized, <laughs> or you know something like that? And then they and they have to go oh, and Ratchet will offer to fix him or some crazy dumb shit like that. <laughs> um, but they don't. They just go really genius kid who saves the day. Not even despite the fact that he's in a wheelchair, is in wheelchair and saves day. Wheelchair irrelevant. Yeah, which is really mm-hmm. good. In the very next episode, no one's ever disabled as long as he has courage. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> way to completely pip it to the post. No, you wouldn't. I can't watch this episode now without thinking back to that Dr. Smooth video. Yeah. <laughs> that Dr. Smooth video has completely ruined early g for me. What, what happened in the video? I didn't see that one. I don't feel like it's a good idea for me to go into a detail. Okay, 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 good, good, good. But, but this episode... If you, just, if you just check YouTube, you can find it. But this episode, you know, it, it introduced Chip Chase, and he is he plays a central role. He somehow can... He helped the, this professor or scientist build, create an antimatter device. And, but, but they do, like I said... So, they, like you do... Yeah, I mean, I know, I know several high school kids who you know have the time to uh, help out major laboratories and people with like doctorate degrees in particle physics. You know, to sort of help them figure out them antimatter particles. But so, but he, 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 through Chip, they do one of the neater things I thought that actually ever happened in the first couple seasons of Transformers. Makes no sense. But when uh, Prowl and uh, and Blue Streak are fighting the Decepticons in the hangar, uh, Prowl is uh, 
injured. His battle computer is damaged. Nonsense. Nonsense. I know. I love it, though. Because this is a point I wanted to bring up. How stupid. How stupid is that? My battle computer is broken. I am going to lend access to my body and weaponry to a random person that might happen to be using the internet right now. I love that. It's the internet. <laughs> I love the that, internet. In 1984. Anyone who might happen to have a dial-up connection, I'm going to say, please will you help me fight these things and hope that they don't do something stupid yeah. like run off and attack yeah, a city. What <laughs> But, yes, but you know, you know to the only person that had something more than a three kilobyte modem, which was Chip <laughs> Chase, because Chip Chase really loved his porn. Because he uh, had that. A, <laughs> he had two choices: he was either going to connect them or Megatron. Actually, I'm bet I'm betting in 1984, a three kilobit connection would have been like a college level or a university level connection. But yeah, I mean, he had because that would have been, you know. I mean, Doesn't Machine Wars Prowl's bio say something about how he's able to process terabytes of information? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not that unlikely, is it? That he can run off of 56K? But, but yeah. Chip Chase is just sitting there staring at the computer burning away in the corner of the room. <laughs> um, this was a bad this idea. This is the only thing Prowl ever does in the G1 cartoon. Uh, Again, never- an episode yeah. to himself, uh, and, and he never does anything except occasionally put a battle plan together. Like this is the only time Prowl ever does anything of note in the cartoon, uh, other than die. Uh, well, <laughs> and die. Yes, he but, did do that. Later. Okay, but I think the dialogue between uh, he and uh, Blue Streak, like, are it's really it's really strong for me. It, like when they're jabbering back and forth before they fight the uh, Decepticons. But you know, if Skywarp for some reason tells them that Prime and Braun aren't there to bail them out. You know, I like the idea that Prawn's a little badass. But, yeah. But it's it's Prawn. He's he's yeah. little. He's well, kicking your ass up, dude. Yeah, dude, Braun. he's strong, yo. Just watched season one. Like, Braun is, like, next to Bumblebee. Dude, did you... In this Braun's very episode, he threw Optimus Prime as he drove <laughs> over him. Yeah, Braun I mean, gets tons of stuff to do in season one. Yeah, Braun gets like an episode to himself. In uh, Braun's in Braun's one of the stars of Fire on the Mountain. He's one of the main team of guys in the Ultimate Doom. Like, Braun's awesome. But I just talking smack about but, Braun. But the thing is, thing is, he's he's okay. So I'm putting myself in the mind of a Decepticon. I'm awesome. I'm a Decepticon. Braun's a little shrimp. Why would I give him credit by telling Blue Streak and Prowl that Braun's not there to bail them out? Unless in the episode once. But bra- but even based on that logic, like wouldn't it be an insult yes, to someone to yes, say, "Hey, yes. this little guy isn't here to help you out"? This is true. This is true. This okay. is true. Yeah. And of course, you know, there's some truth to that because Prowl's battle computer is damaged. Yeah. It's not like he, it's not like he couldn't engage his walking computer and get up and walk away. He had to re-engage his battle computer. Right. Uh, so, apparently, battle computer is common sense computer because yeah. he can't seem to do a bloody thing without Chip Chase sitting there sending. Messages over a three kilobyte modem. <laughs> so, but the thing <laughs> left leg, right leg, left leg, right leg. So, <laughs> yes, Jumping on airplane. Yes, yes, okay. Fly airplane. Command lines, Chip knows that he's able to, like, 
program him to fire rockets off of a jet that he's probably never even seen. I, I love that. I, lo- I love that. I love that. Forward slash prowl. Forward slash attack. Attack. Prowl underscore attack dot exe. Postal prowl dot exe. And... Equals. <laughs> so, uh, okay, one question. So, earlier on in the episode, when Megatron is trying to figure out where all this antimatter crap is, they they go to Doctor Alcazar and they're like, "Oh, he doesn't have it." Okay, well, this human doesn't have it. You, <laughs> leave it just let him go. We're looking go. for another one. We're gonna go find somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> for Christ's sake, don't use the mind reading powers you're about to use three minutes from yeah. now on someone else to find out who he sent it to. So, so they, the Decepticons have the ability to extract this information from Chip Chase's brain, but they can't recreate something that like a fifteen-year-old kid made. Well, he is a genius, and the Decepticons are immensely stupid. <laughs> Well, obviously, Cybertronian technology never quite got the hang of antimatter. Yeah, yeah, of all this advanced technology, they don't have antimatter. So, uh, they do have Wi-Fi, though. Yes. Right. So there we go. So Cybertron technology is merely 25 years in front of us. <laughs> that's, that's what this episode has shown us. Probably some truth to that. You can control the Transformer with a... Basic modem, basic phone modem, and uh, computer keyboard. <laughs> so, so they get, so they get the antimatter formula from uh, from Chip. The Autobots like break in break into the laboratory. That's a heavily fortified laboratory too. If you yeah. notice, yeah, uh, it's it's a basic like laboratory. Every single scientific facility yeah. in the Generation One cartoon. <laughs> but so, mile high walls. Megatron somehow throws the antimatter. It explodes, but it doesn't destroy all the antimatter that's fifteen feet away from that. The, all, all the Autobots are injured. They leave. They they go back, but there's like an actual sense of like. Unlike a lot of other times in the Transformers where everything seems superficial, there's like an actual sense of loss there. It seems like, wow, the Autobots really can lose. Not that not not that, that doesn't not that that doesn't not that that not that that doesn't happen all the time, but just this. Maybe it's because I've watched this like seventy five times as a kid because it's the only only episode of Transformers I had on VHS until I was like a you know sixteen years old. Yeah, see, mine was Divide and Conquer. Yes, so that- <laughs> no, it's another classic. Another classic. Probably a better episode. Yeah, <laughs> but better uh, than Chip Chase and his three kilobyte mode. I'm not letting this alone. I cannot physically <laughs> leave this alone. <laughs> but but the long There's and short of a lot of data to transfer. <laughs> so yeah, he that means probably it's just, stupid. It's just command lines. I mean, it's all text. You know, no, there's video. The, there's uh, video the animation on this one. I, I like the animation on this one. It's 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 mm-hmm. it's weird, but it's it's nice to look at in still form because it's got this weird anime twinge to it, mm-hmm. and these exaggerated proportions. I love the shot of Soundwave actually doing the fingers on Chip's head and doing Yes, the yeah. yeah. I like really, and slightly inflated forearms. <laughs> a little bit pre-dream wavy, but not puffy, but quite imposing and impressive. I, I, I like to so, see- but it's one of the single clumsiest episodes out of the first season as well. There are lots and lots of really visible errors, and even a lot of weird sound editing errors in it as well. Yeah, we'd be amiss if we didn't mention the sound error that's in the this. guard whose voice changes from scene to scene. Uh, well, the well, this is the sound wave episode. Oh, yeah, of course, that one too. Yeah. 
So, you know, this is the one episode in which they forget to modulate the sound wave voice, and we get to hear that it's actually Dr. Claw. Happened again in Web World, but it's like two years apart. <laughs> yeah. so, but, well, it's season three. I don't care. <laughs> so, But the thing is, all of the voices don't really seem to match like the human characters to me like watching it all they just seem to like it's like it's like listen it's like finally meeting someone that you've heard on the radio for years <laughs> their face doesn't match their voice it's like all of the characters in this that aren't human except for chip and spike their faces don't match their voice it's like obviously the show had a kind of a smaller cast at this stage but like when they attacked that I forget what kind of power plant it is they attack. It's when they attack that power it's hydro, plant. It's hydro, like, hydroelectric. That, like, that guard's hound, and that yes. guard's plug, and it's like yeah. they're not even doing anything different. They're just speaking. And then you hear that one guard that's voiced by Chris Latta say something to Starscream, and then Starscream speaks back to him, and you're like, Chris Latta was a talented. Yeah. Because well, not only that, but then like you hear reflector in this as well, and it's like, oh, that's that's just that's, that's Starscream, yeah. But that's like okay. so sometimes it's unavoidable. It's like John Stevenson. Everything John Stevenson ever did sounded like John Stevenson, but John Stevenson must have played a bajillion wizened old professors. So yeah, it's uh, episodes and things. So what the, except except that he played Wheeljack, which sounds totally different. I didn't know Chris Latta Wheeljack, but that's what I'm saying about Chris Latta. You're talking. About, no. I'm talking about. You know, you've got you've got Chris Lotta Starscream, Chris Lotta Starscream Reflector, and then Wheeljack, which is like is essentially exactly the same as Spark Plug with more robotic yeah. echo and a slightly higher pitch. One, one thing I definitely want to mention uh, before we wrap this one up is at the end of the episode, uh, that really ominous statement from Megatron, where he said, "One small boy came between me and mastery of the universe." That, like, has always stuck with me. If this episode had taken place in the Dreamwave universe, the next morning, Chip Chase's parents would have found him in bed, soaked in his own blood, with his spine torn from his anus. <laughs> I was always saying things like that in season one. Because that's another thing about season one, and something that's actually probably most prominent in an episode like this is there is a sort of gentle continuity that runs through season one. Yeah. And this is probably the biggest example of an episode that follows on directly from the last one, where Megatron disappears in the space bridge for the first time of a million times across <laughs> millions of comics and cartoons. But... Um, he used, just to preserve the idea that they would be back and Transformers would return next Saturday at 8, 7 central, um, he would say, like, well, I will be avenged, I still function, and then he would see him coming out of the nemesis at the I'll end. I'll get you next gadget. time, Gadget. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I mean, they, they knocked that on the head for season two. They stopped doing that because, yeah, we made 65 episodes. We don't have to prove nothing to yeah. nobody. So yeah. they have to keep doing it, but all through season one, it's like, I will be avenged. Before we move away from this, you mentioned animation. Have you noticed that this episode has the most animated sound wave ever? Like, yeah, all of his movements run. are just all over the place like, when he's running it. He's just going for it in a proper cartoon fashion. When they're escaping at the beginning of the episode, uh, and he yeah. like transforms and like fly and flies into uh, Starscream, that's like crazy. I mean, yeah, and that scene, and that scene at the hydroelectric plant where they actually draw in the rainbow over the Mm -hmm. uh, waterfall. I've always loved that. Yeah, it's it's not a it's hard. It's it's stylistically, it's a really nice and unusual episode. But the execution, just like on a production level, is probably one of the most 
At least the most inconsistent, probably, of season one. I would say the first part of The Ultimate Doom is probably the worst-looking season one episode. It's ambitious, if not excellent. 